Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, hey, welcome to City Church. Uh, those of you who are in the room and those of you who are joining us online, you know, these, these are kind of crazy times. We keep saying that, but I'm thankful for the Spirit of the Lord at work that makes them less crazy and actually... Uh, it can make them like really productive. And, and we want to talk about that today. We're going to pick up right where Pastor Pete led off, left off, you know, in this series about growing together. Today's sermon's entitled Rooted and Established. Rooted and Established. And we pull that from a prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians. You know, Paul felt like growth was important. That's clear as we read all of his, his writings to the church that it wasn't enough in Paul's estimation for people to to be saved by their knowledge of Jesus, but to also grow, to continue growing in that. So we're going to explore some of what he said, and we're going to, we're going to look at a few things. Um, you know, I want to talk to you first before we get rolling about uh, Growth Track. You just heard an announcement for that. You know, Growth Track is, uh, is something we do because we hold the same convictions that the Apostle Paul did, that growth is something we should be about. In any season, in every season, God longs for us to grow. And so if you haven't done Growth Track, we want you to, to do that. We start Growth Track every month with the same question. And, and the question is this, what's your favorite thing in all God's creation to watch grow? You know, as we've asked that question every month, we've had a lot of different answers. Uh, people will talk about different trees. You know, for me, I grew up in a place where there were no trees. They're not any, like real trees, mesquite bushes kinds of things in West Texas. Uh, so for me, I still am just fascinated by trees and watching trees grow. We have this giant red oak in our backyard, and I just love to look out the window and marvel at it. It's hard to see it actually like grow while I'm watching it, but I love to, to through the season, see it's getting bigger and the leaves are changing, all these kinds of things. And so that's, that's one of my favorite things. People will mention different shrubs or flowers and things like that. But you know, every, every month we've done this, we've had this question, and every month without fail, one answer keeps coming back. You want to guess what it is? Children. That's right. They love to watch children grow. We have five kids, and I could say we've loved watching them grow. Every once in a while, Facebook or my iPhone reminds me of, of some moment in my past when they were just so cute, right? And uh, they were small, but they've grown. And, you know, we think about that, and we think about children and growth. We think about spiritual growth. And in order to really communicate, I think the, the depths and the the truths that we're going to touch this morning, I wanted to invite somebody to help me with that. So I've invited my son, Reese Rogers, to help me share this message with you today. So Reese, come on up. Um, Reese is a senior at Monticello High School. He's uh, looking all snazzy today, looking good, man. Collars I like are it. cool. I kind of yeah, like them. That's right. You know, bring them out every often. once in a while. Yeah. You probably wear a collar more often than I do, though, honestly. Maybe a so, little bit, yeah. yeah. Well, we, uh, we're going to talk to you about growth and growing together, what it means to live rooted and established. Before we, we get into the scripture and those truths, we want to talk just about physical growth and what that's looked like for you. Like over the last three years, we moved here three years ago, and three years ago, he was not this size. Not quite. Like, he was much smaller. Now you're, in fact, we have this, we're going to let you guys decide. We've got four services, and we're going to let every service try to weigh in on this and see who's, who's taller, important. The, the son or the father. All right, so we're going to stand back to back. You guys Point look. Which at, way? Yeah, which way you think? Who's taller? Okay. 
We see. We see. What do you, what do you think? Hey, get what do you down. Think? Get what down. do you think? Which one is it? I like these guys back here. This no, is the right they don't answer. Count. They don't. We and like these guys. If we shaved his head, I'm sure I would be taller, right? Uh, Which is I probably something we that. should do at the end of the message. I've got clippers in the back, and we'll... you didn't prepare. No. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like that's the worst thing ever to not have. My... It's not great, I'll say. Um, but but we talk about this, and and you have grown a lot in the last three years. I'd love for you to just talk about that process, just physically, like growing, and yeah. some things over the last three years you've thought and wondered on your way. Physically, just through growth stuff. I remember playing freshman year baseball. I get up there and, you know, the field's full of these massive giants that have beards, you know, throwing <laughs> high 80s. And I'm sitting in there in the batter's box and the ball's whizzing by. I remember realizing, man, I've got I've to get bigger here. This isn't going to work. Um, and, you know, went home, started eating more, you know. That's, that's an excuse, that's too, because it means I get to eat, like, all the good stuff now. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been a process, getting bigger, getting stronger, getting faster, and it, it's taken a lot of time. It does. Definitely. It definitely, you know, we talk about that, and there can be this desire in us to grow, and you can, we can commit to the process of growing, getting stronger, and those kinds of things, but there's also patience, right? Yes. Like, we just have to wait. I remember when I was your age, I had a poster in my room of Patrick Ewing. I don't know if you guys know who Patrick Ewing is. Basketball player, seven-footer, and uh, this giant poster in my room, and it was life-size, and I would stand up next to him, and there was a big ruler on the side, and I would mark where I am. And I would come back every other day like something was going to change that fast. I'd just keep marking and keep marking, longing to grow. We all have that in us, I think, that longing to grow. But it's a process, and it requires patience. So we want to talk about that a little bit today. So when we brought you home from the hospital, there was a, a picture frame up above your bed, a framed scripture. And I'd love for you to share that with these guys as, as, uh, as you kind of look at God's heart for us and, and growth. So tell these guys what was hanging over your bed and what hangs over your bed to this day. Yeah, I'd love to. It's, um, it's Psalm 1, 1 through 3, and we're actually going to read it here today. So it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Yeah. It is, um, it, it's something that I've tried to live by my whole life. Just, I, I get to go to bed looking at it, you know, which is the meditating on his law day and night, which yeah. is really cool. Um, and I think that it, it really represents for me just, just my love of scripture in a lot of ways and how that's been the stream for me. Um, I fell in love with scripture and in the sixth grade, um, you would set my Bible on my pillow every night and I remember I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever, I'd move it out of the way, you know, it would be in the bed with me when I went to bed, but I would just sleep next to it. And then there was, um, goodness, there was, um, there was one night that I, I, you didn't put it there. And I was like, man, where'd it go? And I just started reading and I fell in love with these stories, of these amazing men of faith, like, like Gideon and, and David and Daniel and, um, and walking through life kind of like that. And it was just, it was a really cool thing to see. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Psalm 1, uh, at the very beginning of this 150 Psalms, kind of paints this picture of what life is supposed to be like and what can happen, what's possible when we live life rooted in the Word of God. And so, you know, we long for that for you. So I would take his Bible and set it on his pillow, just thinking, you know, well, he'll at least have to touch it to go to sleep. And, and for me, it was so formative for me as a teenager, especially as my youth pastor challenged me with this reality that I needed to set aside that time. For me, that was always on my bed um, at night. I would, I would, before I went to sleep, I would pull my Bible out and I would read. Some nights I would fall asleep, you know, on my Bible, drooling in a yep. way that probably wasn't good for the good book, but was good for me 
because that was the last thing entering into my head and it was there to marinate, soak all night. And so for me, that was formative, just like it has been for you. But I share that with you to say that I believe this is true. And parents, this may be good for you to hear today. Um, I had a favorite speaker a few years ago that used to speak at a lot of conferences I would attend with, with the youth, um, the teenagers that, that we were leading in ministry. And he would finish his messages with this. He would say, it's not within my power to put the word of God in the human heart, but only to set it upon the heart so that when the heart breaks, opens up, the word might fall in. So I wanted to live that conviction quite intentionally with these guys growing up and make sure the word was just present and it was there. And I was trying to, to make sure it was a part of their life, but so that when they were really ready and really open, the word of God would fall in and would do the work that the word of God does. You know, this wisdom is not isolated to Psalm 1. We see this throughout scripture, this importance of God speaks words that bring life and he wants us to live open to that rooted in that. And this isn't something that's probably new to you. You've heard this before from another pastor or preacher. And we want to start there because it is foundational. But we believe God's called us to even more than that. For our growth, uh, it's important that we, that we commit to another type of rootedness, a rootedness that looks like this. I'll show a picture up there. Get the, yes, there right go. here. There we go. Does anybody know what this is? I mean, not the word, that's really confusing. This is, these are aspen trees. Not just any, in fact, the answer to the question, the trivia question through the years of what's the largest living organism on the earth was always this. This is Pando. It's a giant grove of aspen trees in Colorado and it's thousands of acres. It's huge. And they say it's one organism because of the way they grow. They, they, they spring up and then their roots go down and they spread out and then up comes another tree connected to those roots and then another and another. So what looks like individual trees are actually interconnected and they support one another and they help, that helps them to grow. The word you see in front of these trees is the second longest word in the New Testament. Another trivia question you might answer. If anyone in your life ever asks, hey, what's the second longest word in the New Testament? You'll be ready. Here it is. It's the word sooner malagumanon. Yeah, it's fun, right? Let's all say it together. Ready? Sooner malagumanon. I'll give you one more chance. Ready? Sooner malagumanon. <laughs> like if the, at the end, just start with sooner. No, 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 no. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a long word, which means, you know, Paul uses it in Ephesians chapter four, verse 16. And it's the word that we translate joined and held together. When Paul uses it, he's talking about how the body of Christ is, is a body, like, and all the parts are connected to each other. The same thing is true as he's talking and praying in Ephesians chapter three, that we would be rooted and established together, that, that somehow we would be so well connected and rooted that we could live into the future that he's created us for. Now I'm convinced this is his divine design for us. This is no accident. It's not like, oh, well, maybe some of these people who are, who are Christians will find each other. No, no, this was his design all along. And he longs for you and me not just to be rooted in Scripture, but also to be rooted in relationships with each other. So today, we want to look into Scripture at some examples of what that looks like and challenge you with some thoughts about how to, how to pursue that together. So, Reese, uh, tell them who we're going to talk about first. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul and Timothy. And to start off, Apostle Paul was the greatest missionary in history. He went all over the Roman Empire, all over the place, building these churches. And it's a complete 180 from who he used to be, Saul, who kind of went around persecuting Christians, 
throwing them in prison, but now he's around, he's planting these churches, he's helping them grow. And the beautiful thing is, is he, he finds Timothy while he's doing all these things. And Timothy has this gift of leadership that, that, that Paul gets to help minister to him in and help him to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps them both to, to come together. And there's, there's two letters that Paul writes to Timothy talking about it. Amen. So, so absolutely true. And all of that is something that maybe it's hard for us to get in touch with, but Paul uses some very specific language when he talks to Timothy. So there are these two letters, First and Second Timothy in, in our Bibles that are, that I want to encourage you to read this week when you get a chance. As you think back on this message and on this idea, what we're challenging you with, Paul and Timothy illustrate, I think, really well what it looks like to really choose to grow together. Uh, so, so with that said, we want to jump into 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy first, to, to take a look at how this happens in Timothy, explore kind of how faith grew in him. So it starts with 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Just a tidbit, just pulling this out of the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. He tells Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. You know, if, if we're looking for an understanding of like, who is this Timothy guy and how did he even come to have this faith and how did he choose to walk with... Well, Paul gives us some wisdom here I think we can all appreciate. You've heard of the idea of, of, of a family tree, I'm sure, that we all have one. And, and maybe you've even seen one in your house or, or maybe there's a matriarch or a patriarch in your extended family that's always wanting to talk about great uncle so-and-so who did this and great-great-grandmother this. And, and they know all the history, the genealogy, and it's important. Well, Paul backs that up. And he suggests it is important. And it's probably true for most of us. There's somebody in our family tree that helped us find faith and grow. It's true for me. I've got a Bible here today that I inherited from my great-grandmother. And it still, it has her handwriting in here, which um, isn't so easy to read. It's also King James Version, which is not easy to read either. But, but I hold on to it because it is a reminder to me that my faith was handed down to me and it is precious. And I'm thankful for the way that my great-grandmother modeled it for my grandmother who modeled it for uh, my mother who modeled it for me. And that that's a part of my story. It's really important Absolutely. for me to remember that and to give thanks for that. Yeah, of course. What would you say, Reese? I, I think it's true. It's part of your story as well. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, I mean, I look at, at your dad who I call Papa, who, um, I mean, he, he didn't grow up in faith at all, but He's, he, he ended up longing for something more than what he'd grown up with. Mm. And, and after a crazy life, he, he settled down and, and went and, and came to faith and then had you and you stood on his shoulders and now I get to stand on yours. Amen. It's, um, yeah. it's been really, really cool. Which, which is important because as we talk about this, like Paul and Timothy aren't related by blood, but a relationship develops as, as it needs to. Mm-hmm. So Timothy can grow. So you might be sitting in the room and as I'm talking about my great grandmother and grandmother and mother, you're thinking, well, that's great for you, Keith, but like, I, I don't have that. I haven't had that. But this is the beauty of the family of God mm-hmm. is that we can all have that when we choose to live rooted in relationships. So let's, let's go to another spot here in, in 1 Timothy. Um, Reese, and I, you know, we wanna look at, at something else Paul is saying. And I want you to listen as we read this to, to his heart for Timothy. I think this, this passage really illustrates that. Absolutely. So it says, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. 
Mm-hmm. And isn't that just cool? That my true son, just the, the relationship there, that it's not blood, but it's a spiritual father and spiritual son in that. Um, and then also the, the longing for him not to wreck, right? The, I mean, you don't want me to wreck, right? But I mean, it's, it's beautiful to see that. There's, there's, there's a longing there for, for him to do well. Absolutely. And I love that this is, uh, this is Paul's heart. Mm-hmm. But you also get the impression Timothy's been receptive, right? Like oh, he's been willing mm-hmm. to, to take these words of encouragement. And I love this longing in Paul that Timothy might fight the battle well or fight the, the good fight. Um, holding on to faith and a good conscience. And, you know, I think about that and I think about you and I think about how I've, I've seen men come alongside you yeah. at really important moments in your life and even in the last three years to help Absolutely. you continue to grow. Let's talk about that a little bit um, just to kind of give people flesh uh, on your story yeah, so they understand that. I'd love to. Um, I would definitely say, well, we've moved around a lot of different places. We've been here and then there and then there and then there. And um, there's been a lot of different great, great spiritual fathers I feel like I've had. Um, two of them that come to mind that have been here are, are AJ and, and Jack, who both attended UVA. And um, they've just helped me to see, like, in my school life, like, how to, how to live, mm. how, to, how to live in, in the midst of culture and how to, how to talk to people and, and deal with that. And there's also Tanner and Wesley May, who were your teenagers and then your, your interns that you, that you taught. Um, and they, they helped me. They were just people I could look up to when I was smaller that, that were really fun to get to be with and get to look up to. Um, th- those four, for sure, have been really, really big. It's, you know, like, it's been fun for me to watch them, like, practically choose that oh, with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. It's not like they were just around, and so you kind of thought, hey, they're cool. But there was a, a real emphasis that, to pray with you, to, to open Scripture with you, mm. and the blessing that has been to you. I don't know if you guys have ever heard, parents in the room, I don't know if you've ever heard a teenager tell you, well, mom or dad, it's not like that anymore. Like, I it's never so do different. that, never. Uh, never or our teenagers, our students, on the younger end, if you've ever felt that and you feel like your parents don't necessarily like totally get it, I'm thankful for the gift in your life of people who, were, who lived between us mm, yeah. and, and could, could be that person that understood in ways that maybe I couldn't or I struggled to, but offer you that wisdom, that encouragement. And so I'm thankful for the way I've seen this actually happen in your life. And it, and it makes me just think about how true it is that God wants every one of us to have this, not just roots in scripture, but also roots in relationship that are going somewhere. So you know, when Jesus commissioned his disciples to create and make more disciples, this is what he had in mind. Mm-hmm. This is the great commission. And, and I think it's one thing to recognize it and to, to accept it as a truth, it's quite another to live it out practically, right? To actually commit to it and do it. So now let's talk a little bit just about like what it looks like to actually do this, strategically, yeah. mm-hmm. practically. And we want to look to another relationship in Scripture to help us do that. One in the Older Testament. Let's, uh, let's talk about Elijah and Elisha a little bit. Yeah, um, love it. So Elijah and Elisha um, are... These two in the Old Testament, Elijah is the man of God. He's anointed, he's a prophet, and he's carrying God's message everywhere, all over the world. And, and as he's doing that, he has this great victory on Mount Carmel. I mean, the kind of thing every preacher dreams of. The, the, a prayer is prayed, a message is delivered, and everyone there turns their heart to the Lord. It's, a, it's an amazing moment. But right after that, his life is in danger. The queen wants to, to off with his head, and uh, so he, t- he takes off for his life. He runs for his life. He ends up in a cave 
He's worn out. He's exhausted. He's ready to give up. And he's complaining, really. He's crying out to God, like, there's no one but me. I'm all alone in this. And God says, no, no, you're not. And in fact, I'm going to give you three names, three people that you can partner with as you finish the work I've given you to do. So one of those is Elisha. And so Elijah makes his way across the wilderness and he, and he, and he comes to Elisha. And, and we jump back into the story right here in First um, Kings chapter, no, no, not yet. We're going to jump to the end of the story. Yes, we're in Second Kings first. chapter two, where we watch um, the fruit of their relationship and wonder a little bit at it. So Reese, as we read this, Reese is gonna, he's gonna challenge you guys who are, who are on the older side of this, this the model. Pauls. The Pauls, right, yeah, the Pauls. Those who, are, who need to hear the call to, to really reach down and, and help others. So 2 Kings chapter two is where we're gonna start here. Um, this is just before Elijah's taken up to heaven. So, so, so you know, and you have some context here, um, Elijah finds out, he discovers that the Lord's going to take him. He's not going to die like the rest of them. He's not going to breathe his last and close his eyes and, and, and then go on to, to heaven. Instead, God's going to come get him. So he knows this, Elisha knows this, and they start this negotiation because Elisha doesn't want to miss the last second. He wants to be with him. Elijah keeps telling Elisha, oh, hey, why don't you go over and do this? And why don't you go over and do that? And Elisha's like, no, I'm not leaving your side. I'm staying right here. He wants to soak up every last minute. And so it's in the middle of that that we come to this moment where finally Elijah knows it's time. He crosses over the Jordan River and Elisha with him. And that's where we pick up the story. All right, Reese. All right, here we go. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. He said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment, tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen back from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan River. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Wow. Isn't that just so cool? I mean, it belongs in a movie. Like, I, I want to see that. I want to go and watch it. I'll be like, yeah, whenever it happens, it'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's so cool to, to see it. And it, it demonstrates a few things practically on how we can, we can live in a relationship with one another. Um, for the older generations, for the Pauls, um, I think it's important to see that as busy as, as you guys can be, as we can be, I guess, as I look for, for people back. Like it's, it's important to leave something, anything for the, the generation behind, to, to offer them to stand on your shoulders, to, yeah. to keep going, um, to, to make sure that you pass on anything you have of the Spirit. Yeah, amen. You know, you think about that and giving time to that. We, here's the thing about Elijah and Elisha. Is Elisha, Elijah knew when his time was coming. We don't. Like we have to live with the fierce urgency of now, knowing I have this moment, we have this moment right now, and we need to offer whatever blessing we have. Absolutely. But I think it also invites us to wonder at this, like how do you know whether you're older or younger? Don't we all wrestle with this at some point in our life? I'm 42 and I'm not convinced I'm older yet. Right? <laughs> but are we older or are we younger? But this is the call of scripture, I think. Every one of us need to hear these words because as we follow Jesus, there's an expectation not just that we're following, 
And that we're, as Paul tells others, you'll follow me as I follow the example of Christ. That there's someone we're following, but also that like Paul, we're adopting that position and we're telling others, well, follow me as I follow. That, that every one of us should be able to name someone we're following and someone we're leading. Mm. That that's the call to live, not just as a disciple, but as one who's making disciples. Mm. And so I want to speak to to the younger generation now, just for a minute. Oh boy. But I want you to hear it wherever you're sitting, if, if you're 14 or if you're 85. I think this is still good for us to hear. As we look into the start of Elijah and Elisha's relationship, there's a lot to learn too. So this is from 1 Kings chapter 19. So Elijah left from that cave and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and he went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then... He set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Mm -hmm. Wow, I read that story and think about it and it's powerful to me for so many reasons. But I I want us to think just for a second, especially those of you who who are living in a moment in your life and you're feeling a tug or you're feeling a, a, a nudge to really follow more wholeheartedly. And there's someone in your life who maybe they haven't thrown a, uh, their coat around you and, and just walked away and you're like, uh. <laughs> and now there's culturally some things we struggle to get in touch with here. But what's clear is that this is a moment, Elijah knows what he's doing. Elisha knows what he's doing. This is a moment Elijah's saying, look, I'm inviting you. I'm calling you to walk with me and grow as a man of God. Elijah gets it. Elisha gets it. But Elisha's left with the decision. Now I want you to notice Elisha is busy and not just a little busy. Like he's got a pair of oxen. The last time you were driving a pair of oxen and you, well, you don't get that, right? But you get the idea of being busy at work. You know, maybe you're in the middle of, of your, your college studies. And I mean, you're up to your eyes in it. I mean, you're working as hard as you can. You're doing all you can. Or maybe you're, you're, you've got the full-time job going and you're busy with that. Or maybe you're raising children and you're just like, man, this is a lot. And you've got a lot going on. It's in the middle of a moment like that that Elijah shows up in Elisha's life. And he doesn't know what's coming. They didn't set an appointment, but here comes the call. You know what's cool about how Elisha responds? He's willing. Mm -hmm. He recognizes the call and the the fierce urgency of the moment. And he doesn't run from it. He doesn't shrink from it. He answers. Now, he's honest about his need to take care of something first. But as he does that, he steps into this life and he begins to grow as he follows Elijah. So for the younger generation, or for those of you who are wrestling with, with this call to follow, this is what I want you to hear. Sometimes we use the excuse, well, I'm just too busy, or I just got too much going on. Recognize that for the excuse that it is. You were created for this, to follow intentionally, purposefully, wholeheartedly. And when you're willing to do that, you'll find yourself uh, growing perhaps like never before. So we see this in Elijah and Elisha. We see it in Paul and Timothy because there was a moment when Paul said, hey, Timothy, you want to come along? And Timothy said, okay. Like like he just said, all right. And mom and grandmother had to be, 
all right with that? Like they were, this is, this is great. This is God's will. We all have moments like this. Yes, we do. Moments when we should be asking to lead others. Moments when we should be saying yes to those who are asking. Because we're all created to live life rooted. I mean, anything else you'd say, Reese, you know, as you think about this and as you give these guys just a word of, of encouragement. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I want to point to back to back to the text here and, and look at how he, he he takes the the oxen and it's not like he just leaves it and goes away, mm. but he uses it, throws this big party to like thank everybody yeah. for what they've been almost, and then mm-hmm. and then he starts this. Mm. Say so like the Lord is is okay with anything that you bring. Like it's mm. it's okay with any relationship that's coming. There's stuff that's coming with it, um, and that's that's okay to have. Amen. Um, yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well. Thank you, Reese, for sharing yeah, of course. and being willing. Um, as we finish up, I, I, want to, um, I want to challenge you with this. My great conviction in this moment right now is that God is calling you to more than just living rooted in Scripture. He's also calling you to live rooted in relationships. Now, here's the reality. I don't know who and when and how that's supposed to happen in your life. That's left to you to discern and those around you. Well, what I want to invite you to do now is to, to pray rather intentionally and, and receptively that God would, would make it clear to you. It's true for Paul and Timothy. It's true for Elijah and Elisha. The Spirit of God is present to bring miraculous growth in your life. He wants to use those around you and he wants to use you with those around you to do that. But you've got to ask. Ask him to open your eyes to who those people are. And I want you to do that now during, during this song as we sing about who God is and the miracle that he's ready to do in our lives. And then I'm gonna bring you one last challenge before we go. So I wanna invite you to stand and I want to invite you to worship with us to declare this truth um, even as the atmosphere is changing now that it will be by the power of God's spirit. Let's worship together. <laughs>